Welcome to the Foundations Church Podcast, where we exist to make Jesus famous. We hope this message is life-giving, encouraging, and challenges you in your walk with Christ. been told are true that we believe in that simply aren't true, aren't real. Um, we just believed in a myth or an urban legend, and we've been talking about that. And this is our last week of this series. It's been a great one. We're going to bring it back next next year. Um, next week, we're starting our relationship series, and we have a really creative title for it. It's called the Relationship Series. Um, and why do we do it in like October, November? Because the holidays are coming right? Like you're all focused in on your marriage in February and your relationships in February. When it's getting tried is when you hit the holidays and the end of the year and the budget. And so if you know somebody, man, they're, they're, they're needing to work on their marriage, their relationships, their decisions, their single, whatever, it's going to be for everyone. So make sure that you invite them next week as we start the relationship series. But today I want to talk to you about ice storms and Rubik's Cubes. Ice storms and Rubik's Cubes. And on December 8, 2007, Tulsa had probably that I know of the worst ice storm it's ever experienced. How many of you remember the ice storm in 2007? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and so um, about three inches of ice came down, which doesn't sound like awful until it all accumulates at once. There was down power lines. There were trees everywhere. Um, it looked like, you know, like a major uh, tornado came through Tulsa and people were without power for a week. Um, and it was freezing cold, right? And so um, you may have had heat, but you had nothing else going on. There was no TV. There was no Netflix. What? Um, there was no, like, no coffee in the mornings. Um, people figured it out. I remember talking to my 90-year-old grandma. I'm like, Mimo, what'd you do? And she's like, man, I just, I, I turned my gas stove on. I boiled some water and I had some coffee and I did, she did a, a pour over in essence, right? She made sure she got her coffee. I didn't ask about a bath because I was like, I don't want to know. Um, but right? There were people that had a house, but the house didn't function, right? There were, their, their TVs weren't working. Their washer and dryers weren't working. It was just a shell. It was a shelter, but it wasn't really functioning like a home because it wasn't functioning like it was created and designed to function. And for many of us here, that's exactly what our life looks like. We are a shell of what we should be, and the problem is, is because we're trying to function in our own power, in our own understanding, in our own strength, and as a result, our life feels weak, it feels ineffective, and it feels like we aren't truly stepping in to all God has for us, and the reason is because we're still trying to do it our way instead of surrendering our life totally to him and letting the Holy Spirit lead our life. So today I want to talk to you about the Holy Spirit. And some of you are like, oh gosh, why did we come this Sunday, right? And here's our goal as a church. Here's our goal as a body of Christ, as a follower of Christ on an individual level, but also a corporate level, is that we would be grounded in the word and on the word and functioning through the spirit, right? That we would be grounded on the word, in the word, and functioning through the Holy Spirit. So here's the myth I want us to understand that we've got to demythify today. And the truth behind it is this. The Holy Spirit doesn't make you weird. He makes you powerful and effective. The Holy Spirit doesn't make you weird. You got there all on your own. 
Can I tell you, all my Baptist people are like, whoo, right? Like all my math, Baptist, Methodist, like Episcopalian, the Catholics left, right? The Catholics are like, I'm gone. Um, but the Holy Spirit doesn't make you weird. Some of you, can I tell you, you're just weird. And you're like, oh, the Holy Spirit made me do that. No, he didn't. The Holy Spirit makes you effective and powerful. Acts chapter one, verse eight says this, but you shall receive power, ability, efficiency, and might when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you shall be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all of Judea and Samaria and to the ends, the very bounds of the earth. If there is one thing I hate, there's one thing I loathe, it's feeling like I'm being ineffective, right? Or I, I, I feel weak. I don't feel capable of doing something. And for many of us here, we feel very, man, weak. We feel very ineffective in life. We don't feel capable or up to the task that we are facing. And the reason is, is because we are trying to do it under our own power instead of by the power in the spirit. In him, we live, move, and breathe, and have our very being, right? Our essence is found in him, uh, the other day, uh, not, not too many weeks ago, I went and spoke in another church on a Sunday night. And I remember going, I was tired, but I was like, I'm going to do this. I show up and man, I, I, I'm preaching. I brought one of my friends with me and I'm going. And this church, like Foundation Church, you were so fun to preach to because you laugh, you amen, you clap, you boo when I talk about how cheesecake is disgusting, right? I mean, like I've been booed, I've been cheered, I've been amen. I've had people say, let the big dog eat, right? Like there's all these like random things that make no sense, but we're having fun and there's activity. I was preaching my guts out and it was dead silence. I mean, I'm throwing jokes. I'm throwing myself on the ground. No laughing. Not one amen. And the quieter they got, the harder I preach. I'm like, I will not suck, right? Like, I'm like, absolutely not. And I'm preaching harder. I'm going harder. I'm like, this, I, 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 I felt really ineffective. I felt like I was the worst speaker in the world. I was like, why am I even here? Why am I even here? What's going on? Great news is the altar call was phenomenal. Like people were raising their hands for salvation. They flooded the altars at the end. Really cool. But in the midst of it, I felt really ineffective. I felt really weak. And I felt really like insecure because I was not doing all that I felt like God had called me and equipped me to do. And some of you, that's exactly how you feel. And I love, love, love what Charles Spurgeon, he's... Spurgeon says, he says, without the spirit of God, we can do nothing. We are ships without wind and we are useless. And here's the simple truth. I've not met one spouse who wants to be an ineffective spouse, right? I've not met one parent who wants to be an ineffective parent, whether their kids are young, teenagers, or grown adults. I haven't met a grandparent who wants to be an ineffective grandparent and leave nothing behind. No, they want to leave an impact and a legacy behind. I've not met one student that wants to live an ineffective life and just kind of coast through. They want to make a difference. They want to be effective. They want to be powerful. I've not met an employee or an employer, right, that wants to be ineffective. I haven't had a friend or met a friend that wants to be ineffective or weak. And yet some of us, that's exactly how we feel because we're trying to lead us and we are trying to do life on our own instead of yield control over our life to the Holy Spirit. 
And hear me, the Holy Spirit, some of you are like, well, I'm just not sure. I'm just not, I'm not sure that he can do this. And some of us are like, yeah, Jesus is necessary. God is necessary, but I'm not so sure about the Holy Spirit. Hear me today, you can't do life without the Holy Spirit filling your life and leading your life. And your life is way better lived out when he's in control instead of you leaning on your own understanding and doing what seems right or feels right to you, right? The Bible says there's a way that seems right to man, but in the end, it leads to death. It may seem innocent enough. It may seem right, but just because it seems right doesn't mean that it is right. And so how do you and I live our life out in a powerful and effective way? We let him guide and control. We surrender the reins of our life. We surrender our life to him so that he is in control instead of me being in control. Because here's what I want us to understand. We're not put on this earth to do what we want. We are here to do what God wants us to do. I tell you, we get this backwards so much, especially in the American culture. You're not here to do what you want to do. You're here to do what God wants you to do, what he's planned for you, for you to do. We are God's masterpiece is what Paul said, right? We are his masterpiece. We're his craftsmanship prepared to do good works that he's prepared in advance for us to do. Are you surrendering and yielding your life to what God wants you to do? Or are you still trying to live your life based on what you want to do. John 14 verse 26 says this, but when the Father sends the advocate as my representative, that is the Holy Spirit, he will teach you everything and remind you of everything I have told you. John 16 13 says, when the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own, but will tell you what he has heard. He will tell you about the future. And let me ask a question. What's guiding you through life? What's, what's truly in control and guiding you through life? Because if we were to be really honest, most of us, the, true, the truthful answer, not the Sunday school answer, the truthful answer would be me, would be you, would be our feelings, would be culture, would be other influences instead of the Holy Spirit. And here's the problem with that. You and I, you don't know really what's best for you. I don't really know what's best for me. I really don't know how to lead me. But somebody, the Holy Spirit, does. He knows how to lead me in ways that Jesus said, I came that you may have life and have it to the full. He can lead me to that life. I can't do it on my own. If you have a toddler in this place and you're driving around or you drove to church today and you got your three-year-old in the back of your minivan, right? And your three-year-old sitting in the back seat and yelling, mom, you're going the wrong way, right? Like you're just like, shut up and pay attention to your blue clues, your door of the explorer, whatever annoying show you are watching on TV because it was a really long drive to church that took 10 minutes. So we had to turn the TV on, right? Like when I don't want to talk to you, I'll let the children's workers deal with you when we get there, right? Um, if your three-year-old starts yelling and saying, hey, dad, you didn't come to a full stop at that stop sign, 
You're not going to listen to that three-year-old, right? Like, hey, you're going too fast. You're speeding. You're going the wrong way. Why are you? You're like, man, you can't even stop pooping your own self. Like, you can't control your bodily functions. Why would I listen to the three-year-old in the back seat who's spilling their goldfish and juice everywhere, and it looks catastrophic when they get out of a 10-minute ride, right? You're like, what happened back here? I went to church, right? Like, it's you're like, why would I listen to you for advice? And here's what I have found. I'm the toddler in the backseat of my own life. I don't know how to get where God wants me to go unless the Holy Spirit is leading and he's directing me. I'm the one, the little toddler going, God, you're going the wrong way. Really, Justin? God, God you're not doing this fast enough. I, I didn't know I was here for your timing. <laughs> But, but God, if you would just go that way, if you would come to a complete stop before we go, right? And he's like, if you would just trust me, I know what I am doing and what I want to do in you and through you. Because you know what? I have realized I have a lot more questions than I do answers, right? I have a lot more inadequacies than I have abilities, but when the Holy Spirit is leading my life, he guides me in all truth and is what is, and he knows what is best for me. That doesn't mean you're not going to have struggles. That doesn't mean you're not going to have trials. That's not going to be mean that you're going to understand everything you're going through, but he's taking you down a path that is truly best for you, that will lead you to making better decisions and living with fewer regrets, that's a better way for you and I to live because here's the truth. I know this about every single one of us. We want our life to make an impact. We want our life to leave a lasting impact behind us. And here's what I want us to understand today. Your life produces what it follows. Your life produces what it follows. It doesn't pr produce your good intentions. It doesn't pr produce your talents. It produces what it's following. Romans chapter eight. This is one of the key passages of scripture. Man, write this down. Go back and read it. Go back and study it. This passage and the next passage, it says this. So now there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. I love that first part because there's some of you, you are struggling with guilt. You are struggling with shame of your past, of what used to be an addiction, of what you have done. And some of you, at some point, you've got to realize there's now no condemnation because you are forgiven. You have been redeemed. You've been washed by the blood of Jesus Christ. And now you are a new creation. You got to move past your shame, past the condemnation. Because can I tell you that Satan whispering in your ear that you're still guilty and you should be ashamed and you can't walk into church and you can't walk into that house and you can't walk into the Thanksgiving dinner. No, no, no. That's who I used to be. Now there's no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. And now because you belong to him, the power of the life-giving spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. Those who are dominated by the sinful nature, think about sinful things. But those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit, think about things that please the Spirit. So letting your sinful nature control your mind leads to death. But letting the spirit control your mind leads to life and peace. For the sinful nature is always hostile to God. It never did obey God's law, and it never will. That's why those who are still under the control of their sinful nature can never please God. But you are not controlled by your sinful nature. 
You're controlled by the Spirit if you have the Spirit of God living in you. And remember, those who do not have the Spirit of Christ living in them don't belong to him at all. Galatians chapter 5, verse 16 through 25 says this. So I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Right? Let the, let the Holy Spirit be in charge of your life. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. One reason some of us, we keep going back to our old life and we keep dabbling in sin and things we shouldn't is because the Holy Spirit isn't truly controlling and guiding your life. The sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the Spirit wants. The Spirit gives us desires that are opposite of what the sinful nature desires. These two forces are constantly fighting each other. So you are not free to carry out your good intentions. Good intentions aren't enough, right? That's what Paul is saying. But when you are directed by the Spirit, you are not under the obligation to the law of Moses. When you follow the desires of your sinful nature, what you produce, Paul is saying, the results are really clear because your life produces what it follows. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outburst of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like these. Let me tell you again, as I have before, that anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. And let me pause just for a second. Paul is saying this, if your life is producing that, you're not following the Holy Spirit. Something else is in control of your life. And Paul and the Bible talk very clearly about heaven and hell. Can I tell you, not everybody goes to heaven. I know that is a popular myth that a lot of people wanna believe because it sounds like rainbows and unicorns and hey, everybody gets into heaven. But can I tell you, the only people that get into heaven aren't good people, aren't people that earned it, are forgiven people. Forgiven people that come to a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, they inherit the kingdom of God. You didn't deserve it, I don't deserve it, good people don't deserve it, bad people aren't disqualified from it. But forgiven people, when they come into a relationship with God, they inherit the kingdom of God, but the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There's no law against these things. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature to his cross and crucified them there. And since we are living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in. Everybody say it. Strike one more time because some of you zoned out. Every. In every part of your lives. Right? And that's the goal. Isn't that the Holy Spirit would just be in control of your Sunday morning life, but that he'd be in control of your Friday night life, right? That he wouldn't just be in control of your life when everybody's looking, but when nobody's looking, is the Holy Spirit still guiding and directing your life? And can I tell you, whatever you're following, your life produces. Man, if you want to produce life, then you better be following the Holy Spirit because he leads you to a way better way to lead your life. And I always lead myself in a way worse way 
of leading my life. Man, I gotta tell you, I, I'm horrible at Rubik's Cubes. Anybody else in that, in that game with me, right? Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so, I remember getting one of these as a kid, and, and I'm borrowing Tyler Dietrich's because he's really good at Rubik's Cubes. I went on a trip with him the other day, and I was like, are you doing a Rubik's Cube? He's like, yeah, I'm really good at it. And I'm like, show me. And he showed me. I was like, you're really good at that. And so um, <laughs> I remember my grandpa giving me a Rubik's Cube. And grandparents, we always think our grandchild, our, our grandchildren are really, really smart and intelligent. And oh, my grandchild's a genius. Give him a Rubik's Cube. And um, my grandchild, Paul realized I was really dumb after he gave me one of these because uh, he's like, here you go, Justin, mess it up and then get it back together. And I was like, uh, come back next week. And my grandpa came back next week and he's like, Justin, did, did, you, did you finish your Rubik's Cube? And I'm like, oh yeah. And so I went into my room, closed the door. I took all the stickers off put them back on, right? Like I was like, okay, why it's this side? The problem was they're all crooked and look janky and I bring, my, I bring my janky Rubik's Cube to my papa and he's like, did you take the stickers off that? And I'm like, no, papa, I just work it so fast and move it so fast the stickers fly right off. And he's like, okay, okay. Continue, I still can't do this. I, I hate these, I don't understand, they're dumb, I don't like it, I, I, I cannot straighten this out. And some of you, this is your life. You can't straighten this out. But you know who can straighten this out? Tyler Dietrich, somebody smarter than me. Can I tell you who can straighten your life out? The Holy Spirit, somebody way more capable and smarter than you. And you know what? Just like I can't straighten this out, I can't give you peace that passes understanding, but the Holy Spirit can, right? Just, just as I can't straighten this out, the Holy Spirit can give you joy that when you're going through trials and tribulations is your bedrock. The joy of the Lord is my strength. That's why Paul could say rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice while he's in prison. How could he call that and say that? Because something else was conducting and straightening out his life. I can't tell you to have patience. I can't love my life the way the way that I should. I can't love my wife, my kids, my friends. I can't forgive my enemies. But when the Holy Spirit is grabbing hold of my life, he produces fruit that I cannot. So here's the question. Why, why, why would you still try to control your life when you know what you can produce? Right? Because when I yield control to him, he produces what I cannot. And that's a way better way for my life to go and for your life to go. The end of Psalms 23 says this, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I think all of us would say, man, I want goodness and mercy to follow my life all of my days. Well, how does that happen? How can the psalmist say this? Because the very beginning of Psalms 23, he talks about, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He leads me in paths, right? I am following him, and your life will not produce what you wish, what you hope, and your good intentions. Your life will produce what you're actually following. So here's the challenge I wanna give us as a church. Right? He's not, he, he, he wants to make you fruitful. He wants you to follow him so you can produce what you can't on your own. But here's what else, what I would say to you. And my challenge to you today is our role is to build God's kingdom and seek ways to serve others with what the Holy Spirit has given us.
right? Our role, our job as followers of Christ is to build God's kingdom and seek ways to serve others with what the Holy Spirit has given us. Can I tell you the Holy Spirit doesn't just want to make you fruitful. He wants to make you useful, right? The Holy Spirit doesn't just want to make you fruitful. He wants to make you useful. The Bible says this in Romans chapter 12, verse 3. He says, because of the privilege and authority God has given me, I give each of you this warning. Don't think you are better than you really are. Be honest in your evaluation of yourselves, measuring yourselves by the faith God has given us. Let me stop here for just a second. Verse three here says, don't think yourself as better than what you really are. Don't think you're more important than others. And most of us, we would say this. Well, I don't think that because we know better, right? I'm not gonna say, oh, I'm more important than Joe. I'm more important than Ginger. I'm more important than Roy. I'm definitely more important than Nate, right? Like, I'm not, we, don't, we don't say these things, right? Because we know better. But, but here's what we say. Here's, here's the 21st edition of this. Well, my time's worth more, right? My, t- my time's just a little bit more valuable. And just because you get paid more to do something doesn't mean your time's worth more than somebody else's. Like that person values their time just as much as you value your time. And what is happening in our church is this dilemma that we say, well, I don't have time to. I don't have time to. I don't have time to. And Paul would say this to us. I give you this warning. Don't think you are better than you really are. And so here's what Paul says to all those people. I don't have time to. I don't have time to. In his grace, God has given us different gifts for doing certain things well. So if God has given you the ability to prophesy, speak out with as much faith as God has given you. If your gift is serving others, serve them well. If you're a teacher, teach well. If your gift is to encourage others, be encouraging. If it's giving, give generously. Don't just halfway do it, Paul is saying. Like, do it. If God has given you leadership ability, take the responsibility seriously. And if you have a gift for showing kindness to others, do it gladly. Don't just pretend to love others. Really love them. Hate what is wrong. Hold tightly to what is good. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 4 through 11 says, There are different kinds of spiritual gifts, but the same Spirit is the source of them all. There are different kinds of service, but we serve the same Lord. God works in different ways, but it is the same God who does the work in all of us. Check this verse out. A spiritual gift is given to each of us. Let's stop. Each of us, according to the Bible, is given a spiritual gift. You have been gifted with something by the Holy Spirit. Why? So we can help each other. It's not just for you. It's not just for you to be a consumer, but to be a contributor, right? For us to help each other. To one person, the Spirit gives the ability to give wise advice. To another, the same Spirit gives a message of special knowledge. The same Spirit gives great faith to another. And to someone else, the one Spirit gives the gift of healing. He gives one person the power to perform miracles and another the ability to prophesy. He gives someone else the ability to discern whether a message is from the Spirit of God or from another Spirit. Still another person is given the ability to speak in unknown languages while another is given the ability to interpret what is being said. It is the one and only Spirit who destroys Distributes all these gifts. He alone decides which gift each person should have. First Peter 4, 10 through 11 says, God has given each of you a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. 
Use them well to serve one another. Do you have the gift of speaking? Then speak as though God himself were speaking through you. Do you have the gift of helping others? Do it with all the strength and energy that God supplies. Then everything you do will bring glory to God through Jesus Christ. All glory and power to him forever and ever. Amen. Peter said this. God has given each of us a gift from his variety of spiritual gifts. Use them well. Let me ask, are you using the gift that God has given you and are you using it well? Are you using it to build his kingdom and to serve others? Or are you using it to build your castle and to help your crew? Because what I have found a lot of us that say we don't have time, it's not that we don't have time, we're just not willing to use the gift that God has given us to really impact his kingdom and to serve others. Right? And we become consumers, and we haven't been good stewards of the gifts God has given us. Remember, he hasn't just called you to be fruitful. He's called you to be useful. And are you being a good steward? So many times we talk about stewardship just in the area of finances. And when we understand we don't own it in the first place, it's really easy to be a good manager and good steward of the finances he has given us, right? And are you being a good steward of the gift God has given you? Are you being a good manager of the gift? Are you being useful to build his kingdom? And some of us would say, well, Justin, I don't don't even know where to start. I I would love to, but I don't even know where to start. I'm glad you asked. I've got a whole list of places you can serve to use your gift. We need 12 people in our AV area. We need six people for our FC students on Wednesday nights, three guys and three girls to be exact. We need 30 volunteers for our FC kids. We need 30 greeters. Greeters, can I tell you, you're a big deal out in the parking lot. Do you know most people make the decision whether they're gonna come back to a church in the first five minutes or not? That means they've decided whether whether they're coming back to Foundation Church before I've blown it, right? Because I'm gonna blow it anyways. Connect groups, we need four couples to lead family groups. FCYA, our young adults, we need 10 people to help set up Teardown to be greeters and part of the prayer team. Big events like our Friends Day coming up the first Sunday in November. We need 10 more volunteers, our prayer team. We need 10 more people to just be here to pray with people at the end of service. We have 112 different areas and opportunities for you to serve and you to use your gift. Well, Justin, how do I even do that? Well, Here's a QR code right, right now, popping up on the screen. Take your phone right now. This is the only time I'm gonna tell you, take your phone and take a picture, right? Take your phone, take your camera out, and tell all the people that are 90 years and old how to use a QR code right now. Hit your camera and put it on this little QR code and then hit the link. And it's gonna take you to a place where you can sign up to serve. You can do it online as well. Here's it, here it is, this QR, there's a lot of QR codes we scan and don't change our life, right? Cost us a lot of money. When you go to a restaurant, you're gonna scan a QR code that's probably not gonna change your life and probably not change anybody else's. Can I tell you, this QR code cannot just change your life but can change other people's lives. It, it is a huge deal. And hear me, today, if you hate kids, if you growl at kids when they walk by, if you're just creepy, we don't want you in our kids' area. Right, if you're just a creepy looking guy, stay away. There's a reason they keep crying when you're like, give me the baby, right? Like, if you don't know what Apple TV is and you can't work your remote control and you still call it the internets, we don't need you in our AV area, right? 
If you call it the Facebook, I'm gonna get on the Facebook, then probably the AV area isn't for you. But here's what I do know. Paul said he has given each of us a spiritual gift to use it to serve one another. And are you using the gift he's given you or are you finding excuses of why you're not using it? Are you using the gift he's given you to be useful for building his kingdom and serving others? Because he doesn't just want you to be fruitful. He wants you to be useful. And we're not here to build our castles. We're here to build his kingdom. I'll close with this. If, if whoever's plan would come out at this time, I am a result of somebody using their gift. Somebody just in church, not a pastor, not a youth pastor, not a children's pastor, but just a normal person in the church. And his name is Mike Willis. On Wednesday nights, Mike Willis was a youth sponsor. And, and this was over 30 years ago that this has happened in my life. And yet, um, when I, we were flying to take my daughter to a college visit, my youngest one, um, I was preparing my message, and man, I'm like weeping, kind of getting teary on the plane. I'm hoping nobody's looking. I'm like, it's allergies, it's allergies. Um, as I was writing this story out, um, it, it, some of you know, mid-high was brutal for me. Um, if you've ever watched Napoleon Dynamite, that's like a documentary of my mid-high years. Um, it really is pretty, it's pretty accurate. Like, uh, and I'm kicking at nobody, right? Like, it's just... I had no friends and there was a reason and the problem wasn't others, it was me. Um, I should have been bullied because bullying did a lot of good for me. Um, I'm just being honest. It was, some of you are like, that's horrible. It's true. Like I was just a weird, weird kid. And some of you are like, I don't see any difference. <laughs> and I remember I had no friends. Like, the, like not even the nerds wanted to be my friends. Definitely not the cool kids. Definitely not the athletes. I would go to church and I didn't have very many friends. And I was alone. This happened for my seventh grade year and my eighth grade year. And about halfway through my eighth grade year, I remember going to a Wednesday night service and Mike Willis was a youth sponsor there. Mike Willis, man, normal guy. He wasn't the coolest guy. In fact, Mike was a little weird. He played in the band. He had a lawn business. Not a major, huge lawn business. He worked hard. Wasn't rich, wasn't poor, just kind of middle income. Had two kids, of three kids of his own. Two in high school, one in elementary. I mean, he was busy. He had all these things. He had stress. He had anxiety. He had joy. You know, there was awesome things happening. There was bad things happening. But Mike served every Wednesday night. And on a Wednesday night, after the end of youth service, I remember the worship band playing. Mike was down up front to be a prayer team member. And the, the youth pastor preached a message. And I don't even remember why. It was, I just remembered I wasn't going to make it. And this 14 year old kid comes down to the front, and Mike says, Justin, what can I pray with you about? And I remember telling him, I said, Mike, I am all alone. I've been all alone for two years, and it's just hard to get up. I don't, I, life's not fun, I don't like this life. And it's just hard to get up every day. I'm bawling. There's snot going everywhere. It's beautifully disgusting, right? It's just, and you know what Mike did? He just grabbed me and gave me this huge bear hug and just started praying and weeping with me. Mike didn't have a college education. He didn't, he wasn't some psychologist, wasn't some counselor. 
He was just some normal, regular guy that was used in an abnormal way that the only reason I'm still standing on this stage is because somebody prayed with me and for two years, Mike would see me every Wednesday night and he would look at me and go, Justin, are you still getting up? I said, I'm still getting up, Mike. Justin, are you still? It's 30 years ago and it still makes an impression on me. And can I tell you, my prayer is this, is that there's a bunch of Mike Willis's that rise up out of Foundation Church. You may think, oh, there's nothing special about me. Nothing special about Mike. But he took, God took a normal, average guy to perform an abnormal ministry to a guy that's standing up on this stage today. And if he can do it in Mike, I know this much, he can do it in you. So the goal is this, not just to be fruitful, but be useful. Are you using the gift and are you using it well? Let's pray today. Lord, we love you and we thank you for today. And Holy Spirit, we just stop. Because some of us were really tired in this place today. Some of us, we feel ineffective at everything we're doing. And everything feels so dysfunctional. And Lord, the reason is, it's not that we have bad intentions. We've got great intentions, but we're leading us. And we're the toddler in the back seat of our own life trying to tell ourselves and dictate where we need to go when there's a better way and it's following you, Holy Spirit. And all truth and wisdom. And so I pray today that we would just surrender to you. Holy Spirit, that you would fill our lives. That you lead our lives. And God, there's some of us that we're right where I was back in mid-high and it's just hard for us to get up and to continue. But I pray you, Holy Spirit, would fill us with your peace that passes understanding that you fill us with your love, that you fill us that, Lord, why we should have no joy that we have all the joy we could ever have. Why? Because we're not leading us. Somebody that is way more capable than us is in charge of us. So we yield control today. And Lord, I pray out of this church, a Mike Willis is raised up. Somebody that feels so limited and so normal would be used to do abnormal things for your kingdom. And that we would have a heart and we would have the, not just the intention, but the attention to build your kingdom because that's what's gonna last. So God, move and work in us, I pray. It's in Jesus' name. We hope that you enjoyed this message. If you have any questions or want to reach out to us, you can email us at info at foundationschurch.tv or visit our website at foundationschurch.tv.